0: Bible we still have the Holy Bible and then we have the word of God and we have God present symbolically and physically present with us today Jesus is physically present because you're here and he lives in you it's a great thing well while I go need to be turned down a teeny bit because I'm loud Uh, Norm and I were talking and and, uh, I mentioned something about hitchhiking I don't think you can do that anymore (laughs) but when I was a kid we hitchhiked home from school and wherever we wanted to go I lived about three miles from the high school so I'd hitchhike home if I didn't have another way to get home and then this morning when I was combing my hairs, the, it reminded me of a story. of These two guys were hitchhiking, and, it, and they stood out on the road for a long time, and all the cars were passing them by, and they kept out there for a long time. And one of them looked at the other and said, why isn't anybody picking us up? And they had hair down below their shoulders. And this other guy said, maybe it's because we have such long hair. And the guy said, that's it. And there was a quick stop behind them, so they went in the, the store, and they got this thing and made a sign and took it out there and stood at the side of the road with this sign, and a car immediately stopped. The sign said, help us get to the (laughs) barbershop. There's always been some problems about things like that. This morning, Ron sends us word that he's anxious to get back and anxious to be with us. And uh, I, for one, am very happy that he'll be back. Sunday. I don't know exactly what Mary Ann and Rich were talking about this morning. Something about, was I being harsh or rough with you or saying something out of turn? Anyway, I asked for forgiveness for that kind of thing. Rich said he's very sweet, so... He would never have to worry about that, would he? No. Only every (laughs) (laughs) It takes a lot of grace, doesn't it, Rich? Yeah. Yeah. We've talked... um, over this month that I've been able to share with you and I have enjoyed sharing with you and enjoyed you it's a lot harder on me now than it used to be oh I forgot to mention that we have a star football player with us this morning you played several innings or you got to you got to play in several different plays so and and I made a couple did he make a couple of uh Tackles? Yes, Two. Two or three. Yeah. That's incredible. That was your first game. Right? Wow. Well, we're we're really proud of you. <clears throat> I I talked about the first of the month, the first Sunday, I talked about the Ten Commandments being the foundation of everything that's on the earth. That is, where they're shared, God is blessing. Where they're rejected, things are happening. The less we, the more we water them down in our country, the more difficult it gets for us. The Ten Commandments are, are the external law for mankind to live together. Then we talked about Repentance. Boys, repentant, real repentance, real repentance means that you don't want to do it again. You you confess a sin and you don't want to sin again in that area. You want to turn away from it. It doesn't mean there's not a weakness. If a person has a weakness, they'll they'll be tempted in that area in order. It's like lifting weights. If you lift weights for a while, I think. You get stronger and your arms get bigger. If I lift weights, I go. (laughs) But But when we were younger, it certainly helped. God does some testing on us in order to strengthen us so we, we run against one of the commandments which in the Old Testament were simple it's something you did outside of yourself you did something wrong if you use God's name in vain that was I mean you did it now after the New Testament Jesus said you do it in your heart why? because he's going to write it on our hearts So the Ten Commandments are inside of the believers. And so now it's much more difficult. Now you think those things. And you need to repent. You covet what somebody has. And you think about that. But you don't say anything. It's still there. And we go to Jesus and he's there for us. I mean... There is a fountain that flows from the cross It covers our sins. So these things are important. Last week, I talked about a Judas problem. Judas really uh, was pretty greedy. He was from Judah, the only disciple that wasn't from Galilee, you remember, and so he he had a he was the businessman I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood went to a school where two-thirds of the kids uh, were Jewish and there were a lot of little businessmen (laughs) in that crowd and our next-door neighbors were Jewish and I remember the difference there and the, the Jews had a little synagogue around the corner. And they had the smoothest sidewalks in the area. So we went around to their sidewalks to roller skate. That's when we had those little metal roller skates, and, you know, that you clip on your shoes and tighten up and take your key with you so that you could retighten them because they'd fall off at some point. So the... I understand something about Judah uh, and they do train themselves in the areas in the arts of business, and they 're known all over the world for it, and they get wealthy and and because they 're careful and shrewd and they know what they 're doing. Well, apparently Judas was a little bit like this. And then he, in his problem, decided to to cover it up by being nice. So he may have been inside, but then when things started, when, when uh, the perfume was poured over him that was worth a month's wages, he complained about it, saying we should have given that and feed the poor. Well, the very man who had walked out and fed 5,000 people. They were not necessarily poor. Some of them were very poor and some of them maybe were rich. It didn't make any difference. He just fed them all. But in the mind of Judas, he would just feed the poor. But he was rebuked for that and it was not real. And his was a, a good work in order to make him look good with the group. Good works are, can be a huge trap. And sometimes we get in a lot of trouble with our good works. And it's like when a little kid wants to help you, parents, when one of your small children want to help you, like, like a three-year-old that wants to help you wash dishes. Their heart's set on it. But boy can they mess up stuff. Not only do they get water and soap all over everything but they don't get the dishes necessarily clean and it it takes you four times as long to get the dishes done because you're getting all this help. We've all experienced that, right? Well that's kind of the way we are with Jesus. We want to help God. We want to do this for God and do that for God. We always are... And I know that he's very patient with us and he loves us and he, he's concerned about these things, but we can really mess up his schedule and maybe slow down things for other people when we try to help God. It's better that we grow up a little bit in the Spirit... And then just do what he tells us to do. It always works when we do what he says to do. And we have the word of God that we read. And listen, with the warfare as it's going on today and going to get much worse in the next few years, you will need to read the Bible over and over, just just as a shield, just as a protection, just as a part of your gassing you up and strengthening you so that your motor will run strong. So I urge you to spend some time in the word extra in the coming days. Now, in Acts 1.8, we have a scripture that's very familiar to most of us that you shall receive power and that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And we talk about this power and I want to talk about the power this morning. Fortunately, if you know Jesus Christ, you have this power. By the way, to receive the Holy Spirit and this power is a part of salvation. There's initial salvation or where you come to get your sins forgiven and you are forgiven and God takes you and he comes to live with inside of you for God so loved the world and he comes that we should not perish but have eternal life and he lives inside of us. The power of God moves in in Jesus Christ and he turns around and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and fire, according to the Scripture. He's the one who does that. So he turns around and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and power. The power is what we want to talk about. When you think of power, you generally think of something that's kind of overwhelming or something that's strong or something that's very... uh, assertive, a kind of a power there like lifting the weights or whatever we need to do to show our power. But that's not like the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember the things in the spiritual world of which you are a part. Your kingdom has a whole different way of expressing itself about everything. Things that look strong in our, in the world at large, the worldly things that look strong mean nothing in the spiritual world. Doesn't matter. Things that look weak, like a big storm coming. I remember when we had the Pasadena prayer group. There was a huge hurricane. I don't know if you remember this I, because of the hurricanes right now. It reminded me of this story. There was a huge hurricane coming in the Gulf, and it was supposed to come into to Houston or the the Gulf Coast. And I mean, it was huge. It covered almost the whole Gulf, Mexico. And and I remember we were talking about it because it was going to hit in like two days or three days. And we decided to pray about it there. Here's 150, 200, 300, I don't remember when it was, up to 500 kids sitting around, and we decided to pray about this storm coming in. And we prayed that God would just stop it and not let it come in. And it stopped. (laughs) I mean, it was headed right for us. And it stopped 100 miles or so out in the Gulf and never came in. It just dissipated. It stopped there and dissipated. Now, I don't know what the, the conditions were with, we didn't have the weather station or something was wrong. So we never found out why it stopped, except that I believe that it was the power of God. I believe God stopped that, that storm. And now that's tremendous power. We did it from our knees. I don't know how the world would stop a hurricane coming in. They could do everything they want. Maybe set, set up 25 million fans blowing against it. I don't know. I don't know how, what kind of power you would have to use to stop a hurricane. But the power of God was the same power that Jesus stepped out of it uh, when he when he was on the Sea of Galilee and said, "Peace be still," and the storm ended. That's the kind of power that we have. But the power is strange. You have power to, to stop somebody from being a menace in the schoolroom, in the classrooms. And there's always a menace <laughs> in the classroom somewhere and you have the power to stop this but not by grabbing the kid and shaking him and saying don't do that again or threatening him with a beating or something that's the way the world does it but a believer can cast a demon out and can take hold of that person and spiritually take a take charge and say peace be still and perhaps God would bring them you together and there would be a bully making friends with somebody so he wouldn't have to be a bully anymore. It's the power of God does things that we can't do in ourselves. I know that we, we pray for one another in this fellowship. We need the power of God in our fellowship. For the struggles that we have with one another, I mean, I'm still trying to like some of y'all. I'm just kidding. I dearly love you. <laughs> and, but it may be the other way around. Y'all are still trying to like me. And the, and the Lord does something in us. He's giving us grace to overcome these things. So the power of God is, is for things that are the most important things to God. It's more important to God that you and I are in fellowship together than it is that we give, that we fill the offering plate or that we have a huge crowd or that we sing better than every other church in town or that we have, you know. None of that compares with being able to forgive and support one another in our fellowship. Nothing is important as being able to hold one another up when we start having difficulties. There are people that have financial difficulties and we pray for one another. And God does something. There are people that have family problems or problems with children or children having problems with parents. And we pray for one another. And God heals these things. That's the power of the Holy Ghost within us. That kind of power is what makes our church function as the body it should be functioning as. Well, what about all this? I want the power of God on us this morning. We get, to, we get dull if we don't get on the sharpening stone pretty often. And our feelings begin to subside. And we begin to lose our emotion about repentance or about excitement for with God or our a song in our heart or reading the scriptures and studying. We we begin to get cool. Lukewarm is a better word. And when that happens, then things began to subside spiritually. It's like we're kind of forgetting that God's around. It's kind of like we're not really taking charge of what we should be. And when, when our heart starts getting a little cool, we ought to recognize that. Charles Finney, the great revivalist in before the Civil War, used to walk in a town and he would look at the town and he'd see what was going on in the town and there would be so many saloons and bars and there would be uh, certain other things going on in the city that he would see or the town that he would be in and he would see people uh, fuss and fight with one another and he'd see children being disobedient he would see Children out of control in the grocery stores. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And and are people just being downright inconsiderate? Have you ever tried to push your cart down in the grocery? I don't go in the grocery store very often. It's too hard on my religion. <laughs> but I have done it, and you go and I pushed the cart down there, and here comes two people and i mean they don't move or anything and i don't know how to get the cart out of their way and i'm about to get run over it's like a mack truck on a one lane highway and you can't get out of the way and just as they get to you you know you you stop with your basket because you're not going to push it into them just as you get to them one of them gets over and out of the way But, I mean, it's scary sometimes. I remember being in Germany, and the German people are supposedly very abrupt, and they were. And and I wanted to get off an elevator in a hotel. And as I was getting out, these two women, I mean, they put their arms up like this, and like a football player's, they charged into that elevator, and literally knocked me back in the elevator and I somehow got squeezed out and got out of there before the door shut. But it was total inconsideration. You drive along a little street out here, and there's a car parked or a truck parked right in the middle of the street, and somebody's talking to somebody. And there are two or three cars following you, and you're gonna be right in the way, and they're gonna be right in the way, and here's this people talking with one. they could have pulled over to the side so that they... Being inconsiderate is a sign of the times. It's a sign of how the hearts of men are. They're cold. They're not tuned to God. And so when Charles Finney would see these signs in the community he would say, this town needs a revival. And he would call in his intercessor, Brother Nash. I guess y'all have read the history on these things. And Brother Nash would move into town, get him an apartment or a room somewhere. And he was an intercessor. And he would pray. And that's all that he did. He just stayed there and prayed. Maybe a month later, Charles Finney would come in and he would begin to, and he would, they would put up some signs announcing where he would preach, and he would be in a church, and he'd start preaching. And by the time he was finished, either the entire town would turn to Jesus, or people would leave town. I mean, literally, they would run for their lives because of the power of God was arresting that community for Jesus Christ and Jesus would be lifted up again. I've talked about the Holy Spirit quite a bit because the Holy Spirit is the earth worker for the Godhead. He's the one who stimulates us and instructs us and cares for us and deals with us and moves us. He's the one who, who has the job of getting us as believers to do the work that he's called us here to do. What has he called us to do? To lift up Jesus, to believe on the Son of God and lift him up. That's his whole job. We think it's to feed the poor like Judas, but it isn't. The job is to lift up Jesus, and the byproduct could be feeding the poor. Or it could be taking some a meal to your neighbor who's sick. Or it could be, it could be anything. But those things are incidental compared to believing in Jesus and lifting him up. We can't. We can't be exactly like Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to be like him as a man on earth that's why he left he didn't want us to act like him he didn't want, in fact you can't do it there's nothing there distinctive enough remember Jesus was a very ordinary looking person they didn't even know him sometimes they had to point him out to the soldiers after he had preached in the temple for several days now that always astounded me he, in himself, he was very insignificant. He wasn't overly intelligent. He wasn't overly good-looking. He wasn't like the movies. <laughs> he was a very ordinary person, average in everything. And he wasn't rich in spirit. And he didn't have this old personality. He wasn't the real nice guy or the mean guy or any guy, he was just there. I mean, you wouldn't have noticed him if he hadn't opened his mouth. And the works that he did weren't even things that he came up with except in the carpenter shop. I, I imagine he did everything he was supposed to do in the carpenter shop, was probably good at it. But when he began his ministry for three and a half years, he only did what the Father told him to do. There were a whole bunch of people at the Pool of Bethesda. He healed one of them. In one place, he said he healed everybody, could be healed. Some couldn't believe. And so, his connection with the people was by faith. They had to believe in him while he was on the earth. That's why I was trying to get across a point this month. I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in the people that are not here this morning that are a member of this fellowship. And I believe in you. Because Jesus is literally in you. That's the power of God on earth. And Jesus in you is greater than anything in this world. And if I can believe on you, then I can accept your prayer. And if you lay hands on me and pray for me... I can get the answer because Jesus is present in the body to pray for us. And that's why we support one another. That's why we really have a connection. That's why there's a, a communion together. We're, we're communing together. There's actually a connection between us. We're wired together. There's a, a flow And I mentioned how the Holy Spirit moves faster than the speed of electricity, faster than 180,000, 186,000 miles per second. Therefore, he could be all over this room to every person, individually, In two or three seconds, he could have covered all of us with everything he wants to tell us and everything he wants to inspire in our heart and everything he wants to open our heart to receive so that we can be a a part of him operating as a body of Christ. This is really a difficult concept for some reason. It's so simple that it's hard. It's so elementary But we want to put conditions on it. I'll I'll believe in you if you'll straighten out your your domino game with me. I'll believe in you if you won't drink a beer. I'll believe in you if you'll just tone your language down a little bit. Well, all of those things could be true, but that's not the basis of belief. You believed on Jesus and you don't know anything about him. And you accept him and he comes into your life and then you begin to know him. So it is with us. We don't know each other real well. My wife and I have been married 50 years and we're getting to know each other. And that commitment between us helps us to open up to one another. Not everything. I don't believe in letting it all hang out. I think there are a lot of things you shouldn't tell. I don't want her to tell me some things she's thought about. I've got enough failures in my life. She doesn't need to emphasize them. (laughs) She needs to encourage. (laughs) And I don't need to Tell her everything that I think or know. I need to do things that edify and build up and love and show a sense of concern and everything. Doesn't mean that you have to be unnatural and unreal. Of course, sometimes you're going to say, Don't do that, (laughs) or leave me alone, or there's all kinds of things. That's okay. But in our heart, there's a commitment to give the best for that person, to do the best for them, and to want the best for them. Because that's real love. So God is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us for one one cause, and that's to glorify Jesus. He's not in us to heal the sick or to open the eyes of the blind, or to give thousands of dollars, or to, to make us slim, or to grow hair. I wish. <laughs> but he's in us to glorify Jesus. If you do that, you are fulfilling the whole plan of God on earth. And then the byproduct of Jesus being glorified in us is phenomenal. It's powerful. God will do so much through you. So our positive faith has a way of just activating people, getting people started again. Ah. Uh, I don't have the energy to do a lot of things I used to do. So, I have to trust the Holy Spirit more now to to get a lot of things done. I felt like we ought to have a prayer time together. This was a more difficult preparation week for me because the things were the I didn't get the type of sermon I like to get I didn't get anything to impress you I barely had a joke and the thing that I felt from God and to obey him would be for those who really need special prayer Now I'm not talking to everybody in here but people who definitely need to pray together in a fellowship way right across the front up here. It's an altar call. I'll go to the altar call with us. And it's for us to get together and pray together. And for those, someone might need to meet Jesus. I don't know if everybody in here knows Jesus Christ. I don't know if all the kids have accepted Jesus into their heart. I don't know if all the adults have. I don't know if some of you have ever actually surrendered to be filled with the Holy Spirit and he's He's taken over the driver's seat in your life and you're being chauffeured around by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if, if there are some things that you wish you hadn't done this past week and you want to ask for forgiveness, but something's going on and there's a chance to get together and to and to share strength with one another I share my 50 years of marriage with you you catch up with me I share my my weakness as an old man with you so I can get some of your strength to be stronger in my life to be able to handle it I have a lot to get done these next couple of weeks and and i share my empty head with you so that you can help fill it up with some of your knowledge because you know a lot and i share my heart with you so that we can love one another in the fear of god the scripture says and like i said this month that i'm scared to death of god i don't want to displease him <coughs> At the same time, I feel his love, and I know he's crazy about me. He gives me so many blessings and such good things that I, I know he loves me more than I'm able to love him back. I know that this is a, a magnificent thing. I know that none of us are equal in here as far as just people go, but we have equal love from God and an equal opportunity to love him back and to share our love with one another. So I'm going to ask you, if you really feel, I'm not making this easy for you. Don't stand up. Don't sing a song. If you really feel like you're supposed to come up here and join for prayer and let the body of Christ minister to one another up here, You really feel like this is a time for you. I'd like you to come forward at this time. Thank you. Others join us? Let's make this circle bigger. We have real needs. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to come to you in this closet of prayer. There are things in our lives that we don't like about ourselves and there are things that we can't believe how you make up the difference. That you're so good to us and you give us um, wonderful friends here in this circle to pray for each other. We face difficulties and trials and... um, related to physical matters as well as spiritual matters. We have our hang-ups that we're believing your cleansing hand will touch. And we have a desire for maturity, to grow up. Your scripture says to be perfect, to be mature. And it's these things, Lord, that we pray your grace upon us. It's this kind of a a power that comes into our life to resist evil, to resist evil thoughts, to accept your presence, and just to let your Holy Spirit glorify Jesus. Pray that we'll be especially in touch with you this week. Every time we have a, a moment to thank you and to praise you, to be grateful for your protection and your love over us. We pray that this week will be especially good. We ask that your Holy Spirit reveal Jesus more clearly and more surely to us. And we pray that your direction will be clear and distinct for us to follow. We pray for our hearts', hard hearts to be softened, for our sins to be forgiven. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Amen.